Thank you for tuning in to today's life message from Cornerstone Church. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging message. If you would like more information about the church, stay tuned after this podcast. So from Sunday school, I felt like there was uh, so much I would have wanted to add to my message this morning based on what I was hearing Um, and I feel so full right now that I wish I could assimilate and recommunicate everything that we've experienced in Sunday school this morning, which was really nice, and what Renee has just mentioned, and what my dad's friend, who I don't know your name, Alan, Alan, has has said um, in Sunday school also. I feel so full that um, I just hope I do justice, you know, to, uh, to all that I feel right now. <clears throat> Let me find my first page. Here it is. So how can you be completely decimated, lose every battle, and still win the war? So today I'm going to be um, talking a little bit about vision. And a lot of what I'm going to mention, if you ever listen to Simon Sinek, he, uh, you'll hear some of his thoughts echoed. I don't want to plagiarize, so give him credit. Um, and really try to incorporate some of those thoughts and philosophies into Scripture and draw parallels between um, what, what we see in certain philosophies of education and motivation and leadership and vision with how that plays into Scripture. So that's my objective. So I'm going to read a little bit from two, or, or describe two stories here. One is, when I, you know, when I said that to my dad two nights ago, what I just said, how can you be decimated, lose the battles, and win the war. You know what my dad said? Vietnam. And you know the example that I have is actually Vietnam. And, it, and an example here is the um, Tet Offensive, where in January 1968, the North Vietnamese launched an attack with 85,000 people. Tet is a holiday. So everyone thought it would be like the U.S. making an attack on Christmas. Nobody really thought there would be an attack on Tet. And what happened then is what happened throughout the entire conflict in Vietnam, which was the U.S. resisted and repelled the attacks. Uh, The U.S. lost about 58,000 people compared to about 3,500,000 Vietnamese. And the U.S., lost the war. Let's think about how a person, a group of people, can be decimated, defeated, and still win. Now, that brings me to Acts 7, 54 through 8, 1, where the description is of the church. Stephen's killed. Stephen is stoned. Can you get that up there, Albert? 
Stephen has been stoned. He has been killed. The church is scattered. The church, the early church lost the, the battles. The early church was scattered. Leaders were persecuted. And here we are. Christianity is all over the world. So how did that happen? Hey, Albert, did, did you get... Um... Great, great. So essentially, an angry mob of Jewish people were, took out their anger on Stephen, and they drug him out of the city, and they stoned him to death, and he had a vision, and he saw the son standing beside the father. And go to um, chapter 8, verse 1. And this is what was happening to the early church. Chapter 8, verse 1. The church was... So the believers were all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So uh, it wasn't a great time for the early church. And what I hope to, to talk to you all about today is vision. And how vision puts your perspective on an eternal level and not a temporary level. So when you have a when your when your vision is focused in here and now, every defeat hurts. Every challenge hurts. When your vision is focused long term eternally, you can endure the pain. And it reminds me of the typical, the stereotypical grandma who can have a rebellious grand, grandchild and never chastises or rebukes, but always loves and can bring that grandchild. How many times have you heard professional sports, professional athletes or anybody else who gets the chance and they say, my grandma, I thank my grandma. Grandmas have this. Grandmas have this unique long-term perspective where a grandchild can come home hungover, high, and the grandma says, I believe you can do better than this. I love you. I don't want to see you hurt. And that vision speaks to that person. So we have, I'm going to grab my pen so I can check off my marks so I don't say things more than once. I like to, um, I like to think about how vision motivates and inspires people. Now, a couple Sundays ago, I preached and I mentioned this exact same example, but it's of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had a vision. He didn't have a plan. His great, I had a vision speech. And to some people, that meant they were going to march across a bridge and be met with police batons. To some people, it meant they were going to be met with high-pressure water hoses. Some people, that meant they were going to march and be attacked by police German shepherds. 
But Dr. King had a vision, and he communicated that vision. And people believed in it and were inspired by it. Now, you think about Jesus. He had not too great a squad of guys, the 12 disciples. Let me find their... We had Judas Iscariot, who was a thief, right? Matthew was a tax collector. Simon was a zealot. And you had a group of fishermen. And then there are some folks who, there's some debate about what their profession was before they met Jesus. And their lives were touched by the vision that Jesus shared with them. Now, I find these things interesting. I like to understand the why and the details and the nit and the grit. We have essentially two types of, our decisions and our feelings and our emotions and our rational thought, we essentially have two parts of our brain. We have a limbic system and a neocortex. And the neocortex is rational. And it's sort of how we rationalize what we do. But often, your decisions are made by your limbic brain which has no capacity for language. Which is why you can tell somebody over and over again and explain it to them why something they're doing isn't good for them or why it's bad or why they should change it or why it's not going to have the long-term effect they want, and it just never seems to take hold. But when you have vision and when you communicate vision, you're communicating a bigger picture, a feeling, an idea. And that penetrates right into the limbic brain where your decisions are often based. Because if you believe something, you will rationalize why you do it. Decisions are made based upon our limbic brain. Now, how do you reach the limbic brain? How does grandma do it? Constantly sharing the vision, not, why are you late? Why are you using this drug? Why are you involved in this activity? That's never going to change a person. But I love you. I believe you can do better. I see you doing better. Amen. This is how people are changed. So there's a, a great example. Two folks. Um, have you ever heard of Langley Air Force Base in Norfolk, Virginia? Did you happen to know that Dr. Langley, employee of the Smithsonian, math professor at Harvard, $50,000 United States Department of War grant was competing with, Oral, with the Wright brothers to fly. Did you know that? The Wright brothers had a bicycle shop. They were bicycle people. Okay? They were bicycle people. They, nobody had any college education. Langley is a math professor at Harvard. Their funding came from their bicycle shop. And they were able to be the first in flight. And when I think about the church here, and I think about the 
reach that this church has. And Renee says it so elegantly and inspiringly. The church has a huge reach in the community, in the school, right here in the church. And in Sunday school today, we sort of just all spoke about the impact of this church on us. And it's crazy because when I look around, I don't see particularly affluent people. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but we're all pretty normal. Uh, we could, you could probably go into um, Walmart and grab 100 people, and there'd be a lot of overlap. Yet somehow the church has this huge impact. Our church, this church, these people have a huge impact on the community. And it just reminds me of the Wright brothers, for example. And it reminds me of the apostles. And it reminds me of the fact that vision, vision will unite people. Do you think if Dr. King had explained that there would be some people getting attacked by dogs and there would be some people that were killed and there would be some people that were hosed and that's not what he did to communicate and motivate but once he had their hearts they were willing to endure anything and I see in our church I see in this church so much vision and unified purpose and drive and I, I'm just going to say vision. I see so much vision. And some of the vision that I wanted to note was Tad came in October. No, no. I'm Tad came to the church around October 99. Something like that. And really got a hold of grace. Grace vision. And has communicated that vision repeatedly. And everything, you know, Tad has everything he says, though it's very different and interesting, it all comes to grace. The root is always grace. Renee has a fantastic vision for generosity. So much of what she talks about and describes and exemplifies is generosity. And those examples have huge impacts on us because their visions, their perspective. You know, and I started to think, I wanted to, I wanted to um, say, what is vision? How do you have vision? And dot, 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 detailed out what it was and how you have it and how you develop it. And I really came to think, after I was preparing for this sermon, that I think in Scripture, very often, the word faith could mean vision. Because vision is thinking and planning for the future, thinking about and planning for the future with your imagination, imaginatively. Faith, in Hebrews, let me find the, the right the right verse. I think it's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yeah. Faith 
Can you throw Hebrews 11.1 1 up? Reminds me, and there's a lot of like, you know, it's hard. You hear people preach on faith. And I remember hearing this scripture. Um, I remember hearing this scripture and not understanding it for like forever. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And what's that mean? How does that, how's that happen? Um, but I felt like, as I was preparing for this, that in a lot of situations, vision and faith could be interchangeable. And then when you were mentioning about my dad and the icicles hanging from the church in Jefferson, uh, you know, vision and faith in that instance were interchangeable. Amen. They were interchangeable. And, it's the, and then I started thinking about scriptures like Matthew eleven twenty two through 24 that say, if you have faith, you can cast the mountain into the sea. Now, I took that scripture kind of literally when I was little, and I did some experiments, <laughs> and I never got any mountains to move. But, you know, it's pretty easy to walk around a mountain. It's pretty hard to pay for a church and build one when nobody helps you. That's, it's harder. I would rather be able to... I would rather... What'd you say? It has to be... It has to be I would rather walk around the mountain in my own strength and trust God for the finances and the plan and the support to have a, to have a vision and a mission and accomplish something. So when I was young, I thought... It must not be. 11, 22 through 24... Yeah, Mark, I'm sorry. If I said, I probably said Matthew. I meant to say Mark 11, 22 through 24. But I tried to get mountains to, to move when I was little because I, I heard that scripture. But now I realize that the bigger mountain, the bigger mountain to move is not the dirt. That's not even important. The bigger mountain to move is impacting people's lives. The bigger mountain to move is the testimony of Ashley regarding the consistent teaching of Tad on Grace and Debbie. The bigger mountain to move is sparking generosity in people's hearts and changing their behavior and changing their lives. That's the bigger mountain. That's the mountain that is in this scripture verse. The bigger mountain is constantly... Loving and caring for someone who is doing it all wrong and dragging that person from certain destruction and death into relationship because of your constant vision for love. Those are the mountains that, that matter. Those are the mountains that we can move that matter. Not the dirt. Not the dirt. So I think vision interchanges a lot with faith. And you can have a positive vision or a negative vision. And so in Psalms, the Bible says, sit not in the seat of the scornful. Psalms chapter 1. It says, don't stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful. Do not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. So how do you have vision? How do you get vision? Vision is, now here's where I switch because I do feel like vision and faith are very 
are very interchangeable. You get vision, you get faith by hearing and hearing. And dad would always say when he would preach this, this verse, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and continuously hearing and continuously hearing and continuously hearing. So how do you get vision? How do you get faith? By hearing. By hearing maybe what Tad talks about with grace or Renee talks about with generosity. And hear it and hear it and hear it and then you make it your own and you have your own revelation and you have your own vision. You know, there are a couple visions that I think are impressive. And it, it sort of airs a little bit of, you know, I wouldn't say dirty laundry, but I mean, but there, it's, it's part of the story. But, you know, Dad, when he was called to preach, he was not equipped to preach because he struggled reading. And it's like, how does God call a person to preach which by definition means you're going to speak into people's lives. How do you call a person to do that who needs spoken into his life, who's broken, and to read and interpret the scripture, and that's hard. So what was the vision? What brought, for example, in in this example, the life of my dad, to where it is now? It was vision. It wasn't I, this is my plan, and this is how I'm going to get where I am now. And I had, it was a vision. It was, a, it was faith. It was a constant driver. And I think about that a lot with Renee, too, because when she started Cornerstone, it was essentially because there was no good place for Caleb, her son. And Renee, she's past this now, but at that time, she was in Mitchell Community College, and she had her son, And she didn't know you had to withdraw from classes, so she got Fs. So, you know, when Renee started the school, this is past, but when Renee started the school, if you looked at her college transcripts, it was F, 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 F her last semester. Yet, here we are with a school that is accredited by several organizations. One's international. She has all kinds, she has a huge flexible scope. She can do, under her accreditation, distance learning academy and bring in people with special needs and special needs teachers and manage state money and take scholarships and vouchers. But how did, how did she get here? Was it a plan? Was it a detailed thing that she wrote down 25 years ago? It wasn't. It was her vision. Amen. It was faith. I'll get to it here. Let me find my page. So, you know that I like to understand the why and the nitty and the gritty. And um, I wanted to give you something to think about that could help inform you on your vision for yourself. So I'm going to take you through a really quick paper that Albert Einstein published in like 1912. So those lights, whatever distance they are away from me, have some intensity. 
you move them back twice as far, the intensity doesn't drop to half. Oh no, like you would think. It drops to a quarter. Okay, just remember that. Put it away. Move the light back twice as far, intensity drops to one quarter, not to one half. Okay, now think of a big sphere. If you make the limit of the sphere twice as far away, the volume increases, oh, but not by two like you would think, by eight. Okay, so just think, just think about that. So previously, the whole scientific debate between Christians and secularists was Christians said the universe was created and scientists said, no, it wasn't because we know the law of conservation of energy. You can't create it or destroy it. We know the law of conservation of mass. You can't create it or destroy it. You're wrong. This energy and this mass has always existed. The universe is infinitely old. That was the thought. And anyways, <coughs> Albert Einstein, he just did a thought experiment, which was, he was famous for those. He said, well, let's see. If the universe is infinitely old and infinitely big, and the, that means the light from all the stars has had infinite time to travel. So all the light from all the stars has penetrated into all the universe because it's infinite. And he said, you know, if I'm, if I'm on earth, the sun makes the earth pretty bright. But if I think about the, the stars outside of that, they get a little dimmer, but there's eight times as many of them. And if I think about the stars outside of there, yeah, there's, they're a little dimmer because they're further away, but there's eight times more. They only get dimmer. They get dimmer slower than they get brighter. He said, so the fact that there is darkness anywhere in the universe shows that the universe is not infinitely old and not infinitely big. And he was the first person to poke a hole in that theory, which later was abandoned for the theory of the Big Bang, which is essentially, which is really cool, because that's essentially science showing that the laws of science were violated at the beginning. Because the law of conservation of energy says you can't create it, and the law of conservation of mass says you can't create it, and then the Big Bang says, but there was no energy and there was no mass, and then, it ha and then there was. So I think that's cool because science shows that at the beginning, the laws of science were violated. And I think that's pretty cool. So now, of course, Christians fight over how old the earth is and other things. But 50 years ago, it was like a big party for Christians. Science has shown that the universe was created, that it didn't exist, and then it came into existence, that really nothing turned into something. And we know there are no scientific laws that allow that to happen. So, that means you were created, and that means you're here on purpose. And that means God has a plan for you. And that means that you can have a vision which is informed by the fact that you're not here accidentally, you're not here by chance, which we're all here in church, we probably, none of us are thinking that, right? that we were here by accident. 
I'm talking to the wrong crowd now, aren't I? But we were created by God. We're here for a reason. We're not here by accident. And we all have, we all have a purpose. And if we understand it, we can all have our vision. We can have our faith and our vision. And just like it, you couldn't stop the Wright brothers and their team, and just like you couldn't stop the civil rights activists, and just like you couldn't stop the disciples, your vision is going to drive you where God has you, is going to take you to where God is leading you. So that is the conclusion to my sermon. And I don't know if my dad wants to say anything or if there are announcements. Or... Okay. Right, we're going to have, uh, I'll let dad tell you. good aren't you glad some people can speak from different perspectives I'm glad I'm thankful I have a friend come on up Alan this is Alan Alan has been my friend for we've known each other for around 40 years or maybe more but at least that long and uh, Alan has been going on short-term mission trips around around the world. He's, you everybody know, you remember Dean Simpson? He's not here this morning. Yeah. Remember Dean? Yeah. Alan's been going with Dean for years. Got me started. He got you started. Well, and I asked Alan, after Mark got through it, I said, Alan, would you give a three, four minute uh, little testimony? And um, because I knew he was coming, he called me and told me, and I had already scheduled my son to preach. I would have had Alan preach, but. Uh, okay. But uh, listen, here you go, three, four, five minutes. Well, I can't say a whole lot about 47 years of ministry. <laughs> but I want you to know how much I appreciate and love this man right here. Amen? Because you was talking about vision, and without a vision, people perish. Back in the 80s, when I first met him, he had a vision for that church there in Jefferson. I shared that in Sunday school this morning. And, you know, it's no different now. God's the same God. And all of us need to participate and take part in a vision. may not be sometimes our own vision, but we need to sometimes get in somebody else's vision until our vision shows up. Amen? Amen. And we're talking about the, the uh, vision and, and faith being synonymous. They are because they go together. Without a vision, people perish. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So they go hand in hand. Both of them do. I have been in the ministry for 47 years. I met your pastor 35 years ago in 19, I think, 84, 83 or 84. And we have not saw each other, talked to each other in many, many years. But we, we feel like we're just the same 
all the time. Amen. But a lot of things have transpired. I have went in a sense as I was a pastor for a long time, and I don't remember somebody in Sunday school said they were recovering Baptist. Well, I was a Baptist pastor until I got spirit-filled and got the left foot of fellowship, and I went to Ramah, graduated from Ramah in 1983, which makes me an old man. But, <laughs> but I had the opportunity to sit under Dad Hagen. I got to meet, someone said this morning, I did get to meet Kenneth Copeland. Uh, T.L. Osborne and Oral Roberts. My son worked for him for 14 years. But God has taken me on a journey through life from being a pastor, being a teacher, being an evangelist, traveling here in America, to a full-time mission starting next month in Nicaragua. I've been going there for 21 years as a short-term missionary. But this summer, God spoke to me to go to the country to be full-time. We have planted... Uh, 290 Bible schools all over the country. And God has given us a goal of 500 Bible schools. Bible schools consist of about 700 hours of teaching. Almost half of that, or a little over half of that, is on video translated into the Spanish language. Along with that, we're feeding children. We used a half a container of food since January last year this year for 13 churches had 137,000 meals and this year we're looking for a full container so we can do 275,000 meals plus whatever food that we have to buy because sometimes it runs out and sometimes people who are not in the program need food but people are being saved people are being uh, ministered to uh, I, I really like the fact of he showed me the picture of was it Caleb that was raised from the dead and I, I just love to see what God is doing. God in action. And a lot of times in America, we take so many things for granted that you really have to go to another country. We call them, quote, unquote, a third world country. What that means is they're living under a socialist government and the people are oppressed. They don't have the same freedoms that we do here. But God. God is changing that. People are being born again. I went to four new churches that I hadn't ever been to. This last trip I was there, I came back on the 19th, just before, 19th of November, just before Thanksgiving. And we see what God is doing all over Nicaragua. You've heard of the silent majority? The Christians are becoming the silent majority. And the next election, which happens in 2021, we believe that there's going to be a change in the socialistic, communistic government in that country by the Christians because of the Word of God has been planted into their hearts and into their lives. Amen. You can't put enough emphasis on the Word of God and its power and its strength to change people. That's why you're here, the power of God, the things that God has put in your heart, the, God, the things that, that, that you have heard preached. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. All of us need to hear and hear and hear and hear. We need to keep it up. That way we can stay on course. We, it's, it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to perpetuate and keep that vision going. Because we, we have to have that tenacity like the Bull, bulldog on a bone. We have to have that tenacity to keep everything going. And that's where God has led me. To be, I'll be 70. Uh, Pastor and I are almost the same age. I'll be 70 next month, and I'm stepping out in faith to full time 
missionary ministry there. And I appreciate your prayers much because I believe there's a lot of lives and a lot of people that are going to be changed for what God is doing, and we give him all the glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.